welcome to the Addiction Solution Podcast. I'm Michelle Dunbar. Enjoy listening and watching as addiction experts Mark Sheeran and I cover controversial as well as helpful topics on addiction, how to move past it, and other related subjects. As two of the co-founders of the Freedom Model, Mark and I will give you a completely new perspective on the topics that matter to you. We will take to task the Recovery Society's lies and misinformation and replace them with facts, research, and the methods to move on from addiction struggles without 12-step meetings, rehabs, and the shackles of endless recovery. Let's escape the treatment and recovery trap together and learn to be free. Welcome to the truth. It's time for you and those you love to step off the addiction roller coaster for good and learn a solution that works. It's called Move Past Addiction Masterclass, and it's a free one hour live online class where you'll hear new and empowering information about how to solve addiction for good without steps, meetings, rehabs, or being labeled for life. If you're struggling or you love someone who is, then this masterclass is for you. To enroll in this free one-hour class, click the link provided or go to thefreedommodel.org and choose the date and time that works for you. See you at the masterclass. Hey, everybody. Hey, welcome to the Addiction Solution. I'm Michelle Dunbar. And I'm Mark Sheeran. And we wrote the Freedom Model for Addictions, Escape the Treatment and Recovery Trap. So Michelle and I were, were together like we are every day working. And I said, let's get some stories, some other people's stories about leaving AA and moving on with their lives. And and, um, and, and basically solving addiction without the 12-step program, without recovery groups overall. That's right. And, but I, I specifically wanted people that struggled in the cult of Alcoholics Anonymous or any uh, 12 step program. And so we threw it out to the blogosphere. And of course, Crystal, a good friend of ours, um, jumped on, on the bandwagon and said, I want to be first in line. I want to tell my story. <laughs> so, um, we know a bit about Crystal. We've talked with her for, for Gosh, it's been a couple of years now. Probably. Yeah, I would say a couple of years. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. And she's <laughs> time come, goes by very fast. She's come a long way. Yeah, for <laughs> sure. And she's a she's a big name content creator now. And uh, her life is moving in all kinds of new directions. So, Michelle, if you have anything to say, I'll let Crystal tell her story. Yeah. No, let's just yeah, let's I mean, I think we should start with you start where you think is best. Okay. Well, uh, my name is Crystal. I live in Canada. I live in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. Um, I'm married. Uh, this is my third marriage. Yep. Third time's a charm or three <laughs> strikes you're out. I'm not sure if it's three strikes you're out or third time's a charm, but I'm hoping it's third time's a charm. Um, I have four adult children and I have five grandchildren with a sixth one on the way. Oh, Ooh, congratulations. Yeah, she'll be here any day now. It's, it's, um, it's very exciting. And what happened to me is um, I grew up in a household that was deemed alcoholic. Yeah. Both of my parents used alcohol and a lot of other things to try to cope with their lives um, and cope with their pain, you know? And yeah. so, I spent a childhood around AA. My father first joined AA when I was probably about nine-ish, and then he went out of the rooms, and then he went back in when I was about, I think, 13. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. 
Yeah. I didn't know that about your story. Okay. Yeah. And he would take me to meetings and he would take me to the dry dances and <laughs> yeah. he took me to his first birthday, AA birthday, where he got his first chip. He was very proud. Um, and my father struggled with, um, I've, I've got allergies. So yeah, yeah, yeah us, too. us too. I'm always, I do that a lot. So yeah. just deal with it. Um, <laughs> but, um, uh, he, he found a place where he felt happy. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, but I felt uncomfortable. I felt uncomfortable being around all of these people um, who were touting all the, the, the AA way. And I, so I, I, I heard the serenity prayer right from when I was a little girl. I heard, mm. I, I watched, I attended meetings as a child. I was in Alateen. Uh, we did it. Yeah. yeah. The 80s. My dad sent me to Alateen. And so I attended that for like maybe two. And I was like, I'm not going these. This, nope. I didn't want anything to do with it. Yeah. So then I, I, I swore to myself that I was never going to have a problem with alcohol. I'm, yeah. like, <laughs> I'm never, I'm not going to follow in my dad, mom and dad's footsteps. I'm going to, you know, and so when in 2010 now I, I kind of had a pretty i would call it normal relationship with alcohol if you want to if you want to put it that way until about 2010 i would go out and party and get drunk like a lot of people did but i was very much a you know once every couple of weeks or whenever there was a party going on but then in 2010 my second husband so my ex-husband um left the marriage very abruptly and he left the marriage basically saying he just didn't want to be married anymore and it turned out that he was having an affair with someone that i worked with mm -hmm. or used to work with and he moved in with her and i didn't know that he basically packed up his stuff from my house at our house and then just moved in with her and i didn't know that i had no idea that that's what happened because he was hiding it from me I hired a private investigator to find out where he was and soon found out he was living with someone else. That, I didn't realize it at the time, but that broke me. Um, I did not want to be here anymore. I didn't want to exist anymore. The pain from him, the pain that caused or what it brought up in me was so powerful that I actually had to go breathe in, breathe out, breathe in, because I couldn't even breathe. That's yeah, how much yeah. pain I was in emotionally pain, emotional yeah. pain, just crushed, crushed, mm -hmm. heartbroken, crushed, did not want to be here anymore. So after about two weeks after he left, I was like vibrating like this and I couldn't sleep. I couldn't think I couldn't stop crying. I couldn't do so many things. And my doctor said, well, here, I'm going to give you this medication, which was Ativan, Valium, oh, yeah. and a sleeping pill. And I'm like, he, she's, she's like, you have to get some sleep. I'm like, yeah, I haven't slept in two weeks. I need to get some sleep. <laughs> now, lo and behold, I figured out very quickly that vodka during the day and Ativan and the sleeping pill at night basically kept me in oblivion. So I didn't oh, have yeah. to deal with anything. I didn't have to deal with the pain. But as soon as I sobered up, it was all there. 
And so I kept chasing that oblivion. I was trying to numb the pain and I couldn't figure out how to do it. So I kept trying everything. I was I was gambling. I I was sexually promiscuous. I was drinking. I was using prescription medication. I attempted um, illegal uh, drugs such as cocaine. And I was just doing whatever I could to try to just numb the pain. That's all. Right. And then lo and behold, about six months after my husband left, I met a man that I was like, oh, He's broken and I'm broken. We could be broken together. <laughs> we can make a whole person out of our broken people. Okay, that's right. I'll put my broken pieces in your. And so we met um, at a stage when my my current husband's uh, first wife uh, passed away of cancer, and it was a very tumultuous relationship for him. He was they were they were a coexisting, but not actually in a loving kind of relationship. So he was ready to move on um, and find somebody else after she passed away. So six months after she passed away, six months after my ex-husband left, we met. And one of my first, the first date we had, we went to a restaurant here in, in Canada. And um, I remember thinking, I gotta watch this guy to see if he drinks because I don't want anybody who doesn't drink. Right. Right. Because right. I, I drank. That's right. <laughs> so we I need these, we need these broken pieces to fit good. That's right. We do. <laughs> so on that date, I remember going to the bathroom. I pounded back my first drink and he was still kind of gently sipping on his. And I'm like, I remember going to the bathroom and saying to him, dude, you got to You got to drink a little faster if you're going to keep up with me. Uh, and he remembers that. And he remembers thinking like, she's a keeper. A what was that? <laughs> He's thinking she's a keeper. <laughs> he yeah. Actually, it was a red flag for him. Oh, it was. Because oh, he was like, hmm, I like the fact that she's a drinker because I like alcohol. But <laughs> and he just went, no, 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 no. She's too pretty in his mind. She's too right. pretty to ignore, the, uh, to let go. So I'm going to ignore this. <laughs> <laughs> that's what he said to me. That's so, what us guys do. Yeah. yeah. We we ignore the red flags. So there could be many of them. A plethora. <laughs> well, there was lots. Oh my Maybe god. Women do that too. <laughs> yeah. So as I got into this relationship, it was very dysfunctional for both of us in the beginning because I was relying on 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 addictions and and he was relying on on alcohol a fair bit too. So it 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 we wound up, you know, as the years went on, this was happening. Yeah. And so what happened about three, no, about, hold on, let me back up. About five years ago, I realized I got a problem because I'm now not just drinking on occasion. I'm, I'm drinking for two days straight. Yeah. And then I'm going to take a break for a week or two. And then I would go back and do it again. But what I was doing was it was just my behavior was getting worse. My choices were getting worse and I was affecting people around me. Mm -hmm. And so I decided, well, I'll do what my dad did. I'm going to go to AA. Yep. yep. So the first time I went to AA, I, I remember, I'll, I'll never forget it. I'll remember walking in the door and going, oh, Lord, here we go. Okay, what am I going to do? So I'm going to sit down. So I sat, it was a huge meeting. The, the place I went to had a, had a huge, it, there was like 
well, that was huge, but there was probably 60 people in that room. It was a, it was a, it was a big popular meeting. So I sat there quietly, didn't say much of anything. They come around and they're like, oh, is anybody new? And I'm like, me. And then they're like, would you like to introduce yourself? And of course, I knew the rules of AA right. already. Right. Right. Yeah. So I knew I had to say, my name is Crystal and I am an alcoholic. And every single that from that very first time of me saying there was a disconnect. Yeah. I'm like, "Mm, that doesn't, it doesn't fit. Yeah. They told me, of course, I I did my little spiel. I was crying and then I went home. But what what I did at the end of that meeting was, of course, all of the women in AA surround the newbie. Yes. So, you know, oh, I don't have my big book here. Surround the newbie, show you the big book, get you to buy the big book, give you the give you the meeting locations, give you phone numbers. And of course, I was like, this is amazing. This is so amazing. I'm coming in here completely feeling broken and defeated. Right, right. And I have all these people surrounding me with love and surrounding me with support. And I thought to myself, I found it. Yeah. I found it. And then I left the meeting and went home. Yeah. And I had nothing except (laughs) the idea of going back to a meeting so I could feel that feeling of belonging again. Yes. Going to a lot of meetings, like a lot of meetings and diving right in. And um, I found myself a sponsor who was completely the, oh, sorry, my my my, no, that's my, okay. my screen my screen just disappeared. <laughs> I found a sponsor who I I really liked because of the way she spoke in the meetings, but I didn't recognize her religious affiliations, and so oh. there was a tremendous amount of pressure from that first sponsor to read my Bible, believe in God, give my life to Jesus, surrender oh my. myself, and I was like, okay, this isn't going to work for me. <laughs> I was trying. Because I was desperate, right? Right, yeah. right. So they said to me in that in, in AA, just don't drink. Just don't drink. That's all you got to do. Don't drink. And I'm like, well, shit, I could do that. I still gambled, and I was taking Percocets before I would go in the meetings because <laughs> I was drinking. <laughs> right. I was following like them. so many people I, do. I was I was doing what they told me to do. That's I right. So I would pop pop a cup because I didn't have any other way to cope. Right. I still had all of this emotional pain and this dysfunction and this turmoil, and I couldn't regulate my emotions. And I was anxious and I was worried and I was depressed and I had all those things. The meeting didn't change any of that. Right. So I was in AA for about 30 days that first time. And I'll never forget thinking, I'm going to drink again. Yeah, this is this is not going to last. Right. I'm not going to be able to do this. Right. Because your preference so, wasn't your preference wasn't challenged at all. No, not at all. They Just, left me with my preference. They left me with my crutch. They left me with my what, my coping mechanisms as soon as I walked out of the door of AA. So yeah. after 30 days, I got my 30 day chip and I looked at it and I went, oh, can I swear? Oh yeah. 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 yeah, I do. I looked, I looked at the chip and I went, what the fuck? (laughs) I spent 30 days white knuckling it, trying to just survive. I was in fight, flight, freeze constantly. And I got a tin chip. Yeah. I was very unimpressed. And then I, and then I thought to myself, okay, 
maybe this isn't for me. Time to go out and drink. So I went to the casino. The perfect trifecta for me was gambling, drinking, and cocaine. <laughs> that was- <laughs> <laughs> That's a night. That's I a night. I'm like, I was, I was, I was doing <laughs> lines at the casino going, this is great. <laughs> Well, if I'm ever going to want to stop this. So I'm at the casino. I'm doing my thing. Of course, I gamble all my money away. Uh, (laughs) And I'm left there completely intoxicated, barely able to walk. And what do I do? I reach out to the girls in AA. Oh, Oh, God. I was like, they (laughs) understand. They know what I'm going through. They banded together, three of them, came to the casino. One of them drove my tr- my truck home. The other one drove me home. They went through my house that night to make sure I had no alcohol, put some water beside me, left phone numbers for um, all kinds of AA people and left me a list of, of meetings that, you know, we want to see you in a meeting um, within 48 hours. So that was a Thursday. Friday, I was like, I'm not going back there. <laughs> Right. I got my ride home. Yeah, yeah. I got my ride home. And they were beautiful. They were lovely people. Don't get me wrong. Oh, sure. I know. I know. Yeah. They truly believed that what they were doing. For I know. Me, they were I trying know. to help me. They really were. So yeah. I walked into the, the the AA again that that second time on the Saturday morning, and I'll never forget. I was sitting in a corner sobbing. And this, again, was a huge meeting, probably 40 to 50 people. And when it was my turn to speak, I said, hi, my name is Crystal. I'm an alcoholic. My last drink was 48 hours ago, and I need help. And I bawled my eyes out, and I said to them, tell me what to do. Please tell me what to do. I could barely speak. Whatever you tell me to do, I will do. I am so desperate to get a life back and to stop this constant circle that I'm in. And, and they love that. Of course. Yeah, yeah they do. Because I completely, I completely, what they call surrendered, right? I was, I was, I was malleable. I was vulnerable. I was willing to say, I'll do anything. Yeah. And so then they came up to me, they went 90 meetings in 90 days. We want to get you into a book study. You need to do this. You need to work with your sponsor. you got to start your steps. You And I'm like, okay, let's dig in. Let's do this. We can do this. And at this point, I'm still believing that I can make this work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, we did it. So yeah. I started my step, the steps with my sponsor. Admit that I'm powerless. Step one, admit that I'm powerless over alcohol. My life had become unmanageable i'm like how am i this is water but how am i powerless i don't care if it's by the way alcohol nobody's telling me what to do anymore but anyway (laughs) we'll get to that later that's right this liquid how does that have control over me? I know. Right. I could never do that either. Yeah. It was a I'm leap, like, man. I'm powerless over. Are you telling me that I'm going to forever have to identify as powerless? I couldn't wrap my brain around it, but I kept telling them what they wanted to hear. Yes, yep. I'm powerless. Yes, my life has become unmanageable. Yes, I'll do the homework. I did all this homework. And then step two, step three, step four. And when it came to step four, And I had to do my moral inventory, listing all of my 
character defects and how I've hurt everybody in my life, I started going, okay, this is where I take responsibility. This is where I take responsibility for all the shit I've done. And so I started writing out these and I started going, hold on. Um, I was sexually assaulted when I was a child and I'm, yeah. I had a part in that. Wait a minute. That doesn't sound right. Right. Okay. Yeah. What about, what about the, what about the people who abused me? What about the people who neglected me? What about, what, what about all of that? So I still went ahead. And then when step five came, I had to go back to that ex-husband of mine and apologize. I had to make amends to the man who had an affair on me and walked out of my family and walked out on my kids, who has never once apologized to us for abandoning us. And mm -hmm. I had to go. So I stood in front of my ex-husband of 17 years and I humbled the fuck out of myself. Wow. So I told him, here's what I wish I would have done different. Here's what I did that. And keeping in mind throughout our marriage, I wasn't misusing according to AA or according to anybody alcohol. This happened after he left. Right. Yeah. So not to say I didn't, I didn't have my fair share before that, but this was when it became really, really difficult. Right. right. So I did the whole spiel. I spent an hour telling this man how sorry I am for all oh of my, my God. moral short, my, my, you know, my character defects and my moral shortcomings. And at the end of it, he looked at me and he said, that's okay. I've forgiven you a long time ago. Oh, oh my God! Oh, we, oh, that, we did that it. Literally did it. makes me sick. We to did my the stomach. same thing to people that just misused us. It's so fucked up. It is so, it's I, so bad. It is fucked up because I got it. I left. I left um, his work, and I sat in the parking lot in my car, and I went, "What the fuck was that? And what just <laughs> what yeah. just happened?" What just, what just happened? And so I phoned my sponsor and I said, I did what you told me to do, but he acknowledged nothing. He and she says, that's okay. That's his side of the street. And I'm like, how am I healing from what happened to me by taking it all on as my own responsibility? And right. Now, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't. And that's when I went, okay, so that's fine. Then COVID started. Okay. So, the, so then I got through the 12 steps. I started sponsoring people. I was so excited. <laughs> I started sponsoring women. I remember. I remember. You remember? <laughs> I remember being excited to get my first sponsor. sponsor. Yeah. Sponsor. Now I'm in control. Like, yeah. We got, yeah. we got it. We got it. And now I can, now I can help others because I've been six months without alcohol. Right. Still doing others. Mind you, by then, by the six months in, I had stopped gambling. I had stopped using prescription. I had stopped everything. Yeah. I had stopped everything. I'm like, I am clean and sober. <laughs> which I fucking hate, by the way. Anyway, we'll get into that later. But I, I basically said um, with my sponsees, I'm like, okay, let's go work through these steps. Every I had seven sponsees in total um, in the time that I was in AA. And I was, I chaired meetings. I was part of committees. I was part of the finance committee. I was part of the birthday committee. I was like, I was deep in it. Yeah. Yep. I was the AA thumper. Yeah. And <laughs> the too. big book thumper. And yeah. um, oops, my phone, my I gotta, okay. I gotta keep, I gotta, I gotta monitor that. But anyway, <laughs> every single
single one of my sponsees bucked what I was saying the same way I did. Yeah. They're like, wait a minute. You want me to tell you that I'm powerless? You want me to give this to God? I'm an atheist. I don't believe in right. right. You want me to apologize to people who have abused and mistreated? And, and, and I, I could not get any of them to get past step four. They were like, no, nope, I'm out. Not one of my seven sponsees stayed in AA. And I started right. going, hmm. Yep. And that's when I bought this. Yep. The freedom model for addictions. And I picked it up and I read this part. Give me a second. Let me find it. Yeah. <laughs> I picked it up and I read the preface. All people, even those who have a serious drug or alcohol problem, can choose to use moderately, and contrary to popular belief, they can do it successfully. And I went, well, this is bullshit. And I'm thinking, <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> because I believed what AA was doing. Worry about. <laughs> I know. That's what happened to me. So as you can tell, my book is how do I do this? Well loved. Yes. Oh, yeah. So that's not the, the so then I, I waited for a little bit and I and then I, I knew I was because then COVID hit and all of our meetings went online. And here's what I figured out. That's awesome. Hmm. How are they going to collect money from us when I'm sitting in my home? Right. I no longer have a basket that I have to put money into. So they were begging us to put money in. And then I started seeing the financial reports of what was happening with my group. We were talking about it, right? And they're like, we're going to have to shut down if we don't get people to give money. We got to get people to give money. And I'm like, hmm, did, something just didn't rub me the right way. And then I recognized that I could attend meetings and just take my camera off and get the credit for attending a meeting. <laughs> and then I started realizing, I don't think I need these meetings. Like, I don't think it's doing anything for me. And right. it's COVID that that hit me. And so then I went, I'm going to pick this up again. So I picked it up again and I started going, Crystal, you're just going to read. You're just going to read and highlight. Don't let it trigger you. And the reason it <laughs> triggered me is because it challenged every damn belief I had about addiction and recovery. Yeah. So yeah. it's almost to me like telling a um, fundamentalist Christian yeah. to read the Quran. That's right. Mm -hmm. That's what it felt like to mm -hmm. me. I was like, I can't be disloyal to AA by believing this. Mm. I can't be disloyal to what I've learned my entire life about addictions and recovery because this is challenging it. So I, I recognized I was being triggered. And my trigger was because I was trying not to abandon AA and I was trying, I felt my guard was Ooh, up. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. My guard was up. And I was like, mm -mm, these people are not going to force me to believe that this program that i'm in is is dysfunctional bad for me and when i saw like and then i started going is aa a cult and then i googled it and i went look at all the characteristics of a cult yeah and i went yeah. check 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 and then i turned to my husband we're sitting on the deck and i said to him honey 
think AA is a cult. And he did this. Yes. Do you think? I didn't know that. I didn't know that. That's funny. I went, um, I think it's a cult too. He goes, of course it's a cult. They want you to think the same way they think. And if you don't think the same way they think, then you are being disloyal. You are, you are challenging them. You are, you, you know, and I went, huh? So then my, I remember this is during COVID. My sponsor came over to give me my one year chip. And so she brought it over and she gave it to me and I looked at it. Oh God. And I went once again, I'm unimpressed. <laughs> now, keep in mind, I have my dad, my dad passed away um, about 15 years ago. And the only thing I took of my dad's from his house was his AA chips. Okay. The only thing I took, I still have them because they're my yeah. dad's, right? Of course, of course. Yeah. Um, I might even have my own chips. I don't know. I just put them in a drawer someplace. I forgot about them. But mm. um, when she left, I looked at my husband and I said, I don't think I want to do this anymore. I don't think it's working for me. And he said, honey, whatever you want to do, I'm going to support you because I can see how toxic this AA thing is for you. And I said, wow. to him, how is it toxic? And he said, you go to meetings. It's all you talk about. You've engrossed yourself in it to the point where we can't even have conversations without you bringing up. Oh, yeah. Um, acceptance yeah. is the answer to all my problems. Uh, you, like, <laughs> we just spew all this AA rhetoric. Oh, yeah. yeah just, we did it too. Yeah. Yeah. And so I said, that's it. I'm not going to go. So I went to one, I had to, I had to chair one more meeting. So I went to one more meeting in AA and I said to the people that were there, it was a small group because it was COVID. And I said to them, I'm not coming back. And they looked at me and they went, what? I said, I'm not coming back. I said, this will be my last meeting. And they said, oh, I'm sorry to hear that. We'll, we'll save a chair for you. We're oh all, yeah. We're so always here for you. And then, then, and remember, I had like literally a hundred contacts. My only contacts and my only friends at that time were AA friends because I yep. couldn't be friends with anybody else. So they were all, I was very enmeshed. Yep. Yeah, it it was too. like an emotional enmesh, enmeshment and it was very toxic. So I, I made the very brave decision to walk away from AA thinking, these people that are my friends are going to understand. Hmm. Nope. No, no. Second I walked out that door, they cut me off. It was like I was a Jehovah's witness who walked away that's from right. the, that's, that's right. exactly what it is. It was, it was like, I, it was exactly. like, I was Leah Remini walking away yes. from Scientology. Attack, yes. attack, attack avoid, 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 block, delete. And I was like, what are these people? Why are these people abandoning me? I'm yep. not drinking. I really wasn't drinking at that time. And then I went, okay, I'm going to try this drinking thing again. I'm going to see what it's all about. Again, not having solved any of my problems that I was drinking for in the first place. <laughs> <laughs> and so I picked up a bottle of wine. It was a summer day. And I was like, yes, I get to drink again. And exact same thing happened. Yep. Wound up taking out a van, wound up having sleeping pills. It just went right back to where it was. And my thought went like this. Oh, my God, they're so right in AA. They're yep. so right. No, Look what happened That's, to me. Yeah. Look what happened to me. And then about two years ago, my youngest son came to me just after my 
youngest grandson was born. I'm going to take this off. And he said to me, mom, your drinking's not okay. You're you're, you, you, you've got toxic behavior and you got a lot of trauma that you haven't healed. You either go and get help or you're not going to see your grandson. I'm not going to let you see your kid, my, my grandkids. I, you just can't be a part of my life. It's too toxic. So he threatened to go no contact with me. That's when I went, holy shit, I got to, I got to do something. So his idea, my son's idea, who was like 26 or 27 at the time was you need to go to rehab. So I took $24,000 and I drove myself eight hours to rehab. Oh, wow. And I walked in there and I gave him my phone and I gave him my list of everything. And I took my P test and I cried and I, and, and it was an amazing facility. I'm not going to deny that. It was in the middle of the Rocky mountains. We had a five-star, I'm privileged. We had a (laughs) five-star chef. It was private. I had my own cabin with a balcony overlooking the mountains and the mountains. We had equine therapy. They had a massage therapist there. We did yoga. We did all kinds of healing, indigenous healing, because I'm indigenous and that's why I chose it. And and then we had, and I, I chose. Oh, oh, you locked up. You froze up. I'll oh. edit this out. Yeah. Well, I want to hear about this place. I it know. sounds amazing. <laughs> you want to hear about the rehab? <laughs> <laughs> well, you locked up for a minute and I was like, so when I chose, oh, I sweat like crazy. When I chose, I get really warm of that age. Okay. Don't. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah. yeah no, yeah, I, I get, get it. it. I get it. <laughs> Jesus, let's just, here's, here's another one. Um, So uh, I I went to this treatment facility. I chose it because it said that it was based on indigenous spirituality, which I wanted to get in touch with my indigenous. Oh yeah. So I get there day two, there's an AA meeting. Of course there is. Yeah, I know. I'm, I'm, I'm literally fucking traumatized. I'm sitting in this room with all of these people. And I'm like, you lied to me. Yeah. You got this treatment facility. Fuck. I said, is it 12 step based? They said, no. I said, fantastic. I'm in it's, it's, it's indigenous. Wow. Well, no, they had AA. you had to attend every week. It was mandatory. So I had to fucking sit there. And the wow. first time that I had a meeting there at, at treatment, the AA meeting, I said, hi, my name is Crystal. I won't be participating. And they're like, oh, why won't you be participating? I said, because I don't believe that I'm an alcoholic. And they laughed at me. Oh, yeah, I know. It's so bad. And I thought, all right, you're not going to bully me. You are not going to bully me into saying something that I don't believe. So I was trying to take whatever I could learn out of the rehab and the treatment facility I was in. Trust me, the food was amazing. There was lots of great stuff. But I could have gotten a better holiday by going to Mexico for a month. That's right. That's right. It would have been a hell of a lot cheaper. I could (laughs) have just left my phone at home and went to Mexico. And they didn't teach me anything I didn't already know. Right. Right. There's nothing in treatment that I hadn't already been exposed to. Right. Right. It was just recycling the information. So I started getting connected to these people, as you do when you're spending 24 hours a day, seven days a week with the same people for a month. You get connected. We are human beings. We are designed for connection. 
because I was getting connected to these people, I started feeling a lot of pressure during the AA meetings to say, I'm an alcoholic. Yeah, of oh course. That's God. what it's designed to do. I know. Group so thing. two days before I was, I was to be released from this treatment facility, we had an AA meeting and the peer pressure got to me. Yep. And I stood up and I said, hi, my name is Crystal and I'm an alcoholic. And they went, yeah, oh, oh yeah. God. Yeah, it's so condescending. <laughs> get there. Just get there. I'm like, well, thank you for the peer pressure. And thank you for making me feel like I didn't have enough, I, you right. know, wherewithal inside of me to, to stand up for my beliefs, to stand up for what I believed in. Right, right, right. You just broke me. I, you broke me and I paid 24 grand for you to break me. Mm. Yep. I, I get it. I went through yep. it too. It's disgusting. And then I drove home, like it was eight hours through the mountains, right? And I was driving home and I'm like, this is going to be so good. I'm going to get home. I'm going to feel great. I've been 30 days. I miss my family, miss my puppy, miss my dog, miss my kids are going to be proud of me because I'm no longer drinking. And that's not what happened. Yeah. I got home from treatment and every single issue and problem that I had from my childhood trauma that kept me stuck in this emotionally um, toxic state where I was doing this all the time, it was all there still. It was still this, I was still getting triggered by feeling insecure. I was still had an anxious attachment system. So I, an anxious attachment style. So I was still clinging to people in my life. Don't leave me. I love you. Don't, I still had all of the things that made me hurt that I was trying to numb. So it wasn't long after that before I grabbed some alcohol and went to a casino again. In the meantime, I had already talked to you, Michelle, like three That's times. Right. That's right. Um, I called you one time before treatment, before oh, treatment. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I, I remember that. Yeah, I called you. I think I was in the car with you. Yeah. <laughs> I called you from a hotel. I used to do business trips, and, and the business trips that I went on were very scary for me because I believed that I, I was always going to drink and gamble on these business trips because that's mm. the habit I got into, right? Right. So, of course, I went, and I did that, and then I called you the next morning, and I said, I don't know what I'm going to do here because I don't know, I don't know how I'm going to fix this. I don't know what I'm going to do. And you talked me through it. And that's when I finally said, I'm reading the whole freaking thing. <laughs> and so I started reading it and I was like, wait a minute. And as you can see from my, wait, let me get this up. From my book, I have like tabs and highlights. And yes. like, oh, I really, and then what I would do is I'm like, I'm not going to believe these guys. You guys mm -hmm. have given all of your, you give, you wrote down like everything, all of your sources, you, you guys basically. Yeah. Oh yeah. Every chapter. So yeah, sure. I would go to the end of the chapter and I'd go references. Crystal is not going to take anybody's word for anything. Any right. I am going to do what I think is right. And I'm not going to believe something just because somebody tells me I'm going to do my research. So I started looking up all of these things that you guys. Yeah, that's good, good for you. Good. I started want, going yeah. online and looking at them, and I'm like, I'm going to read this paper. They cited this paper for this chapter. That's Let right. me read the paper. I'm like, fuck! It does say that. Holy shit! 
Then I started reading more research and more research and more research and started listening to your podcast and started, um, you know, went on the Facebook group. And then I joined the Freedom Model, like online. I joined your web, you know, I started in the classes. I was like, I think I've been duped. I think I've been lied to. Yeah. Yeah. And I went, okay. I'm going to throw out everything I think I believe about the 12-step programs, about treatment and recovery. I'm going to throw it all out. And I'm going to create my own belief system based on research. That's it. So then I started using your book as research. I started looking at all the references of everything you did. I started collecting data. And I went, fuck me, I've been lied to. Yeah, Yeah. you were. I, 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 I was shocked. I'm like, I'm not powerless over shit. That's right. <laughs> and my life is unmanageable. Honestly, I got myself a trauma therapist. Best thing I ever did. Yeah. Best thing I ever did. Yeah. People yeah. are like, what program do you recommend instead of AA? Nothing. Go to a trauma therapist. Find out why you're hurting and you want to numb yourself. That's it. Go do that. <laughs> Go do that. And then you never have to attend a meeting again. And so I started speaking out against AA and whoo, oh, oh, yeah. Yeah, boy. I wasn't prepared for the backlash. And so I was ready to collaborate with you guys. Sorry, I'm taking a look with this. So I I, I started collaborating with you guys. But the fear of speaking the truth about what I discovered was huge. Because I, as soon as I say AA is a cult, AA doesn't work, AA isn't something that anybody needs. Oh attack immediate attack vicious vicious yep yeah vicious death threats yeah i know people telling me that i'm killing people i'm gonna share a story i'm gonna share a story one of my sponsees is was a young girl in her early 20s she had helicopter parents parents Mm. absolutely Mm. loved her but were helicopter parents i watched her struggle and struggle and struggle. And when I left AA, I said to her, sweetie, if you want to come with me, I'll I'll take you along this journey with me. Her parents did not want that mm-hmm. to happen. She passed away last year. Oh my yeah. God. She's a young mother and she passed away and she was stuck in the 12 yeah. day program. She believed she was worthless and powerless. She believed she had character defects. She believed there was something wrong with her. And I kept saying to her, there is nothing wrong with anybody who has this much emotional pain and tries to numb it because we as human beings are not meant to be in that kind of pain for an extended period of time. So you're either going to numb it you're going to attack other people or you're going to do this. You're going to end it. And eventually she just went, I can't take the pain anymore. And she's gone. And I feel horrible for her son, her family, for her. I think of her often. And there's a part of me that wishes I would have spoke out about AA a long time ago because she was a victim of that system. And yeah. some people will say, no, AA helped her. Really? Like it helped Matthew Perry? Mm. I'm sorry. That man has been in treatment, was in treatment and recovery. I kept watching him and I kept going, Matthew Perry, please. I even posted on his pages a couple of times. Please read the freedom model. Please. He's keeping you stuck. And then he died. And I'm like, 
And that's what's happening. And so people are going, well, you, you're, you're stopping people from getting help. I'm like, no, I'm not. I'm telling them that doesn't help. Stopping them from getting help. Well, what if it helps somebody? Help somebody what? White knuckle it? Right. Until something in their life happens and then they relapse. And right. When we and then they're going, this is the thing that a lot of people say, well, yeah. And when they relapse, it gets worse and worse. And I said to people, you want to know why? You want to know why it gets worse and worse? Because if I'm drinking to excess and my life sucks and everybody around me tells me stop drinking and then I stop drinking and I go to AA and I white knuckle it. At some point, if I haven't dealt with the fact, the problem that started the drinking in the first place, I'm going to pick it up again. Now, when I pick up my alcohol again, what am I going to do? I am going to drink hard and heavy because I know I'm going to have to go back in that room tomorrow and admit my wrongdoings and admit that I have to start over again. If I know that tomorrow I have to go into AA and say, hi, my name is Crystal. I relapsed. Today's my day one. I'm going to to drink hard and heavy as much as I can. Right. Make it worth it. I'm going to make it worth it. Right. Go big or go home. I'm going to make it worth it, man. I'm going to get more drunk than I've ever been before because yeah. I know I only have this much of a window and then I'm going to have to start all over again. Yeah. And that to me is why people keep relapsing. Yeah, They keep yeah. relapsing because of the shame associated with having to start all over again. Announce that you fucked up and those arrogant people in the room go, oh, you poor thing. Come here. We'll help you get back in, in, into this, the, the fold. I was never, and I said this the last time when I went to treatment, I said, I'll never step foot in a, in an AA meeting again, ever, ever. Once I learned the truth. And um, when I get enough courage, I'm going to start speaking out. And then I created my TikTok about 13 months ago. And now I have a hundred thousand followers who are listening to me. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. And so I have people who are contacting me now going, and I'm, I'm now a life coach and I coach people around intergenerational trauma and addiction because I, 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 there's no need for you to sit in a room commiserating with other people who identify as an alcoholic for the rest of shoot me now. Shoot me now. If I have to spend every fucking day in a room with people commiserating about how horrible their life was or how amazing the program, I want to live. Right, right. And when I read the freedom model, I realized that I have a choice. That's it. And, And I can make choices and I can find help for myself to deal with my pain. Right. Then I deal with my pain. And now I don't numb my don't have to numb myself in the same way. I just don't. I just don't. I people are like, do you drink? Um, yeah, two days ago I had a Caesar and a Cosmo. Actually, I couldn't finish the Cosmo. I'm like, whoa, this is way too much alcohol. Hubby, can you finish this off for me? So he that last one back for me. Before that, it was New Year's Eve. I had two two cocktails. And people are like, Oh, (laughs) you're not sober. I'm like, (laughs) I don't fucking care. You know what I am? I'm fucking happy. And the people around me are happy. And my goal has never been sober. Because if you make your goal sobriety, you're missing the point. 
Right. You're missing the point of life. Sobriety is should never, if that's your goal, go to an AA meeting and sit around and do that. I'm not interested. I want happy. I want peaceful. I want to resolve my pain and trauma. I want to walk through this life as the best version of me. Does that mean that I have to be afraid of vodka? No, vodka was never the problem. It never was the problem. The problem was my unhealed pain. And so now I'm working with people as best I can to help them understand that if they are stuck in that treatment and recovery cycle where they're there, it's that revolving door, they're sober and then they relapse and then they're sober and then they relapse. And I say to them, do you want to stop going through the revolving door? Because I'll show you a door that opens and closes and you can keep that door closed forever if you want, but it's up to you. That's and right. The first step. What I love about this is the deprogramming of AA because it told me the truth. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it wasn't a lie. And I knew it was the truth because I checked your research. <laughs> That's right. And and I think it, it matches common sense. One of the things I want to say for the viewers is as we go through these stories, first of all, thank you, Crystal. Yes, that, that thank was you so much. Awesome. That was awesome. As as we go through uh, the we're going to have a whole bunch of people lined up that are going to be telling their stories in the next uh i think four or five podcasts mm -hmm. minimum and because we want to we want to have a variety one of the things is crystal's uh basic model is that she had a lot of pain that she had connected right to her mm -hmm. drinking and there are people where they don't have that pain they drink for other reasons so one of the things there's going to be a whole group of you out there that identify with crystal there will be other people that won't be able to identify because they started drinking when they were 65 because they were bored and seniors and they have right. lots of money and their life is good and they don't they didn't really know trauma i can identify with crystal i know you can yeah because we we actually a lot of your story is very, very similar. similar i we wanted crystal on first because it matches a lot of what we've talked about and sort of walk our audience uh with something that's familiar but what we've talked about and her her story is aa young being indoctrinated young not knowing getting into the fold of aa getting lost in that getting in the revolving door never addressing the things and reasons for the use and uh so all of you out there are autonomous people please understand if you couldn't identify with crystal story my story michelle's story we will have stories that you'll be able to identify with because people drink for different reasons. And I know, I know for a fact that I had a mother who was a therapist. One of the worst things you can have, <laughs> I'll be honest That's with you, sure. and an ardent AA member. And I went to Alatine, Alatot, and every damn Ala, whatever. Yeah, Alanon. You know, and, and ACOA. ACOA. Yeah, I was shuffled <laughs> into treatment from a young age all of that shit and my life was highly traumatic i yeah. mean I, just like crystal i was neglected i was beaten i was sexually molested i mean i had every you could check off the marks for all the abuse and yes my mother taught me to connect drinking and said oh you drink and drug because of your pain well i did I did because it was connected to that, but I also drank because it was a hell of a lot of fun. I also drank because I believed that alcohol had this magical quality of escapism. So underneath my connection 
to all of this was one fundamental belief that just about everybody has, and that is that drugs and alcohol contain a magical quality to change our emotions, and it doesn't. It no. doesn't know anything, which is why we chase the buzz so hardcore and it falls flat and our life falls the fuck apart because we're, we're trying to cope with something that isn't a coping mechanism at all. It's a lifeless substance. So I just wanted to qualify all that. So if you, if you're mm -hmm. out in the audience and you don't identify with her story, we will have stories because hers is very pointed. Crystal, yours is very pointed on trauma, but there are a lot of people that don't have that. Definitely. So so stay tuned is the point. Yes, yes. And and in my audience now, now with with my following, and it, this has been bizarre to me, by the way, bizarre, because all I did was go on TikTok and start telling the truth, being honest about my life, the 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 fuck ups I've made, how I've hurt other people, how I hurt my children. Um, and how that has affected them and their lives. And there's so many people on there that are in pure denial, pure denial about, and if I do mention AA, and I'm not just talking about trauma, but if I do mention AA, honestly, there's probably about 80% of the people are supportive. 80% of the oh, people. Oh, yeah. Yes. Thank God somebody else is saying it. Yeah. I wanted to yeah. say this for years, but I didn't have the courage because I was getting bullied. And I'm like, yeah, that's what they do. Mm -hmm. They bully you into shutting up. And I've said, I'm not going to stop sharing my story. If you, and I've said this to many people who come into my room, AA saved my life. And I'm like, that's great. Go to a meeting and get out of my room. Get out of my page. Get off my page. Right. Yeah. You don't need to come here and announce yourself. If you think that this is helping you and save you, saving you, go to a meeting because 90% of the people aren't agreeing with you. So right. you go and commiserate with that 10%. Go ahead. Um, right. I'm not telling you what to do and what not to do. What I am doing is I'm talking to people who go, I've been in treatment and recovery for 20 years and I'm still struggling. Those are the people that I want to, to get, I want to talk to and give them another option, another solution. And the only thing that those in 12 step programs ask me, there's only one question they ask me, how long have you been sober? Oh, I know. Now they, and they ask, are you, are you still sober? And my answer is always yes, because sober doesn't mean abstinent. That's yeah, right. Yeah. It and doesn't mean yeah. abstinent. And I'm like, and, yeah. And, 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 and I, I just respond with it and I go, well, if you're, I'm happy and my family is happy because yeah. I'm no longer having those destructive behaviors. Isn't that the goal? I remember going into the AA rooms and going, there's a few people in this room many of them, but a few people in these rooms that have just simply replaced their alcohol with AA and that's it. They haven't done any work on personal mm. developing themselves. They've just gone from one addiction to another and now they're protecting that addiction to the, or that they're protecting AA to the death. I mean, right. cause it's all they got. Them. Yeah. yeah Sometimes I just have to, mm -hmm. I say to them, please, you're welcome to stay on my TikTok page here, but Please either stop trying. It's like a Jehovah Witness knocking at your door. Can I show you the word of God? Right. Like, do you know Jesus? <laughs> do you know Jesus? Do you know AA? Can I show you the way? Yeah. Bitch, I was in the goddamn thing. Don't think you're talking to Oh, you didn't. 
you didn't work the steps. Right. Did you just hear my story about (laughs) apologizing to an abusive ex-husband who left me after an affair? I did those steps. (laughs) And they hurt me. They harmed me yes anything to go to an abuser and someone who hurt you and apologize for what you did is victim blaming at its finest yeah it is yeah it really is it is all right well Well, this has been amazing thank you so much crystal um we want we have to do a little bit of housekeeping and that is we have to just let people know about our free master class um the move past addiction master class we offer it every single week you can go to the freedommodel.org and it's right there front and center actually i think a annoying pop-up happens yeah and you can register on the pop-up so you can register on the pop-up and, and then we have and this is to the theme we have the deprogramming from oh, the 12 yes. steps course now as a, a standalone, standalone course. course yeah it used to be it still is a part of the online program but uh i think that that we revamped it i think let, let's stop with the master class and the deprogramming because that's right with the theme of what crystal was talking about and i think that's a perfect wrap-up it is a perfect wrap up. So thank you so much, Crystal. Stay with us. I'm going to I'm gonna end recording, um, but I want to let everybody know. Stay tuned. We're going to have more stories like this. All right, everybody. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Yeah. Thank you. Are you struggling with a drug or alcohol problem, but you don't want to go to rehab or group meetings? That's why we created the non-12-step Freedom Model Coaching Program in 2011. Through video conferencing on Zoom or Skype, you can work privately with a certified Freedom Model Coach from your home or office on your schedule. And here's the best part. With the Freedom Model, you'll never be labeled an addict or an alcoholic. And we won't tell you to go to 12-step meetings or hamper your life with endless recovery rituals. Instead, you can learn exactly why addiction isn't a disease and how you can solve the problem for good and move on with your life. Do you want to be completely free from your addiction? Do you want to never have to attend meetings, rehabs, or addiction counseling ever again? And do you want to solve your problem from the comfort of home? Then call us at 888-424-2626 to talk with a Freedom Model coach today and experience the Freedom Model difference.